We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 393 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Tuesday, September 6th, 2022. It is the day after a Labor Day 2022 that featured the pride of Hyattsville, Maryland. Francis Tiafo pulling off quite the stunner at the U.S. Open. You know, I don't talk much tennis on the podcast, but we certainly can make an exception of what Tiafo did on Monday, defeating the great Rafael Nadal in four sets to advance to the U.S. Open quarterfinals. Uh, that would be the number 22-seeded Francis Tiafo beating the number two-seeded Rafael Nadal. Uh, Tiafo is 24, youngest man from the United States to advance to the quarters of the U.S. Open since Andy Roddick in 2006. And Tiafo ousted a guy in Nadal who isn't just an all-time great, but who also has been like a destroyer of U.S. players. Rafa in majors had been 31-2 and two against Americans entering Monday's match, and Rafa had won 27 consecutive matches in majors against Americans since losing to James Blake in 2005. So much for all of that. James Blake, or is it James Balake? <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, if you are familiar with the classic skit from Key and Peele, uh, then you get that. If not, then look it up. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. I have a lot of Commander's content on the show for you. Next segment, a full review of a busy Labor Day for the Commanders. There was a lot going on. Uh, the Commanders did practice on Monday, practiced in preparation for what is this Sunday afternoon, the regular season opener home to the Jacksonville Jaguars at one. I have an update on safety Cameron Curl. We do now know some more about his injury situation. I have plenty for you on a big announcement from the Commanders on Monday morning. The announcement that they have hired the franchise's 
all-time leader in regular season sacks, Ryan Kerrigan as the team's assistant defensive line coach. Uh, There's a lot to get to with this. Uh, Both Ryan and Commander's head coach Ron Rivera did post-practice press conferences on Monday. You will hear every key thing that each guy had to say. Uh, Ron also talked about Sunday's opponent, the Jags, so you'll hear that. By the way, some Jags news on Monday. Running back James Robinson, who suffered a ruptured Achilles tendon in Week 16 of last season, will be active and will play on Sunday at the Commanders. That according to Jags head coach Doug Peterson. Uh, And I'll take you through some moves by the Commanders on Monday beyond this announcement of Ryan Kerrigan being hired as assistant defensive line coach. And then I'm going to get into a key question, maybe the most key question for the Commanders in the 2022 season. Does Washington finally have a quarterback in Carson Wentz. Uh, Our commander's co-owner and co-CEO, Dan Snyder, he last month said, quote, we finally have ourselves a quarterback, end quote. Well, was the Danny right? Uh, Ron Rivera actually addressed this on Monday. Uh, I want to address this as well. Also on the show, I will discuss the surging Nationals. Yes, I said the surging Nationals. They are flying right now, uh, certainly by 2022 Nat standards. A 6 nothing win at the National League Central leading St. Louis Cardinals on Monday. The Nats now have won three consecutive games and by a combined score of 21. Uh, each win has come at a division-leading team in the National League. The Nats have won six of their last eight games, and the Nats are doing this on the backs of a number of young players who just might prove to be legitimate building blocks for the rebuilding Nats. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff happening right now with the Nats. Uh, and I will talk Orioles. There was not a lot of good stuff for the O's on Monday. What a bust of a Labor Day for them. They began a big four-game series against the Toronto Blue Jays at Oriole Park at Camden Yards by getting swept in a doubleheader and by a combined score of 15-7. Uh, the Orioles pitching ended up being a massive mess. I'll explain what happened. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Rich on the commander's two moves at linebacker last Thursday. Uh, The team last Thursday signed John Bostic and David Mayo to the 53-man roster. Writes Rich, I don't hate the Bostic signing. He's a legit NFL player. He just has no upside. Uh, Mayo got re-signed. Whatever. I do, though, get why the Twitterverse hates these signings. It's not about Bostic or Mayo. It's about our horrible history with linebackers. Who's the last respectable linebacker who came through Washington? London Fletcher? I guess I would argue that we haven't had a decent linebacker capable of making dynamic plays since Wilbur Marshall and Monty Coleman were playing ball. Washington fans are desperate for an impactful, dynamic linebacker. We've invested five first-round picks into a flaccid defense, only capable of rising up against an inferior team. Washington fans have every right to be upset. Five first-round picks, two former linebackers as coaches, and still a bottom half of the league defense that's defenseless against tight ends and horribly inadequate on third downs. It's not Mayo or Bostic who are the problem. We want to see impactful, game-changing, elite talent with a coherent, intelligent scheme. Our defense is overdrafted, underperforming, and quite frankly, embarrassing. 
This is why the Bostic and Mayo signings are so poorly received. I don't mean to be overly negative. Uh, Arrington and Arakpo were brief flashes who fulfilled their potential. Uh, thank you for the email, Rich. Uh, yeah, and Brian Arakpo wasn't even really a linebacker. Uh, he was a linebacker in a 3-4 base alignment, meaning that he was what we like to call an edge defender. Uh, an edge defender is an outside linebacker in a 3-4 base alignment or defensive end in a 4-3 base alignment or defensive end in another alignment with four more defensive linemen. Uh, Rich makes a lot of good points. I mean, London Fletcher was the last really good linebacker for Washington. The position doesn't mean what it used to mean. So not having had a really good linebacker since London isn't what has doomed Washington defenses. But like Rich says, this really isn't about linebacker. This is about the team not having been consistently good on defense for years. I mean, here's the truth. Not since the days of Greg Williams running the Redskins defense has the team been anything close to being consistently good on defense. And even that comes with a caveat. Uh, Greg Williams officially was the Redskins assistant head coach in charge of defense for four seasons, 2004 through 2007. He technically was not the Redskins defensive coordinator. Greg Blosh was the Skins defensive coordinator for those seasons, but those were Greg Williams's defenses. Uh, the Skins in three of Williams's four seasons with the team had very good defenses, 2004, 2005, and 2007. The Skins for the 2004 regular season ranked number four in the NFL in total defense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric. The Skins for the 2005 regular season ranked number four in the NFL in total defense per DVOA. And the Skins for the 2007 regular season ranked number seven in the NFL in total defense per DVOA. So three times in four years, the Skins were top seven in the NFL in total defense per DVOA. That's excellent. But the Skins 2006 defense was atrocious. <laughs> the Skins for the 2006 regular season finished dead last in the NFL in total defense per DVOA and set an NFL record for fewest takeaways in a 16-game regular season. 12. Yes, 12 takeaways the entire season. So even Washington's best run of defense in decades featured a season in which the defense was terrible. And once you get beyond the Greg Williams years, you do really have to go back to the Redskins' glory years of the 1980s and early 1990s with the great Richie Pettibone as defensive coordinator for the last great run of defense for Washington. A tweet from Chris Nace of Polson and Nace on the commanders hiring Ryan Kerrigan as assistant defensive line coach, writes Chris, I am generally pretty tough on the organization, but the fact that a high character guy like Kerrigan wants to be around the team on a regular basis seems to be a good sign about the culture Rivera is cultivating. Uh, thank you for the tweet, Chris. Yeah, what I also like about Ron Rivera hiring Ryan Kerrigan as assistant defensive line coach is that it shows that there are no hard feelings from how Ryan's last season with Washington went or from how his departure from the team went down. Much more on that coming up. But speaking of high character, uh, that is what Holson and Nace represents in addition to high achievement. Uh, if your health or the health of someone who you care about has been adversely affected by the negligence of someone else, know that the law firm of Paulson and Nace is there for you. Paulson and Nace will fight for you. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. 
Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases, offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C., and West Virginia. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace treats its clients with respect and dignity and wants what is best for the firm's clients. Paulson and Nace will treat you, your family, and your situation with the care and expertise that you deserve. And Paulson and Nace is excellent at what it does. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. Heck, just last month, Paulson and Nace won a case for which the United States government must pay nearly $1.8 million. Uh, This to a former American University field hockey player because of a military doctor's failure to diagnose and treat the student for a 2011 concussion that left her with permanent symptoms. Uh, You may have read about this. Paulson and Nace took on the U.S. government and won. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wrong but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. And don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let the family of Paulson and Nace take care of your family. It is a regular season game week for the Commanders. Uh, they will begin their 2022 regular season this Sunday afternoon, home to the Jacksonville Jaguars at 1. Uh, this was Commanders head coach Rod Rivera during a post-practice press conference on Monday morning on whether this week is different than, say, a preseason game week. It is, it is, and, and I thought the energy this morning um, in meetings and then out there on the practice field is what you're looking for. You know, the guys do understand it. You know, it's on. Um, you know, as you go through every week in, in, in training camp, it's a little bit different. It's like um, I always tell players, or I, excuse me, I always tell coaches, you know, they always say, wow, this guy looks great, this guy looks great, in the first couple of weeks before you play a game. And then all of a sudden you play a game and say, wow, hey, I expected him to play better. Well, the truth is there's consequences now. You know, consequences changes everybody's mindset, their outlook. It changes the way they approach the game. It changes the way they play, their technique, their styles. Why? Because there's consequences. When there's no consequences, it's easy to, to, to try and jump and out. It's easy to break downhill. You know, but now all of a sudden you add a little something to it. Now there's a little hesitancy in those guys that aren't quite as confident. And, and that's kind of what you look for. At least I do when I'm watching players early on in camp. You know, those first two weeks, they mean something, but they don't mean, you know, you found somebody. You got to get them out there on the field and see how they react. And, and it's even different when you go from the preseason to the regular season. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it really is. It's, it's, it's a huge step. It's a huge move. And players will approach it differently. They will look at it a little different. Yep, big week in a big season for Ron Rivera and the Commanders. So the Commanders did practice on Monday morning. No official injury report. We won't get that until Wednesday. Uh, safety Cameron Curl, he on Monday morning was on a side field as opposed to participating in practice. He, in a conversation with reporters after practice, did confirm that he's dealing with a thumb injury for which he underwent surgery. Uh, His status for Sunday is not known. Uh, Curl, during last Wednesday's practice, was seen 
with his right arm in a sling. We on Friday had multiple reports that he was dealing with a thumb injury, uh, and we on Monday got confirmation of that from Curl himself. He said that he suffered the injury in the Commander's second preseason game, that 24-14 loss at the Kansas City Chiefs on August 20th. Uh, This, of course, is not good uh, that the commander's best safety, at least as far as we know, Cam Curl, uh, may not play in week one due to a thumb injury. The good news, though, is that the injury isn't to, say, his shoulder or elbow. I mean, when I first saw that his right arm was in a sling, I immediately thought that we could be looking at a shoulder injury or an elbow injury or a broken forearm or something really bad. A thumb injury doesn't sound so bad, but it did require surgery, and it may be that he will not play on Sunday. Uh, Meantime, we had several announcements from the commanders on Monday morning, principal among them that the team has hired Ryan Kerrigan as its assistant defensive line coach. Uh, Said Ron Rivera in a statement, quote, Ryan Kerrigan is one of the most accomplished players in this franchise's history. Following his retirement, we had a great talk about his goals for life after playing. Ryan had an interest in coaching, and we were able to allow him to shadow our coaching staff this summer. He is an extremely hard worker with tremendous knowledge of the defensive line position group. I look forward to watching him develop as a coach and assist Coach Scanina in the defensive line room. End quote. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan becoming the commander's assistant defensive line coach happens off Ron Rivera on August 9th, having fired commander's defensive line coach Sam Mills III and promoted assistant defensive line coach Jeff Scanina to defensive line coach. Uh, It was on July 29th that Ryan Kerrigan announced that he was retiring as a player and that he signed a ceremonial contract so that he could retire as a Washington player. Uh, He, of course, is one of the best pass rushers in Washington history. He's the franchise's all-time leader in regular season sacks. Ten seasons with Washington, 2011 through 2020, 95 and a half sacks over 156 regular season games. Uh, I'm very glad that Ryan Kerrigan now is the commander's assistant defensive line coach. I like great players for the team being part of the team beyond their playing careers. Now, obviously, he needs to do a good job as assistant defensive line coach, uh, but it's good to have Ryan Kerrigan as a part of the organization. And it is good that there isn't any like lingering resentment over how his time as a player with Washington ended. Ryan Kerrigan in the 2020 season, what was his final season with Washington, and what was Ron Rivera's first season as Washington head coach, played in all 16 of Washington's regular season games, but made just one start and played on just 38% of Washington's defensive snaps. And then Washington in the 2021 offseason had no interest in re-signing Ryan as an unrestricted free agent. He admitted that he was told by Washington at the start of free agency in the 2021 offseason that the team was not going to try to re-sign him. Uh, And so Ryan Kerrigan in May 2021 did what, right? Signed a one-year contract with the dreaded Philadelphia Eagles. But everything now certainly seems to be cool between Ryan Kerrigan and Ron Rivera. This was Ron on Monday morning on how Ryan, as commander's assistant defensive line coach, can help the team's edge defenders, uh, given that Kerrigan himself was an edge defender. Well, I think the practical experience... You know, the one thing about Ryan is is that you know from 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 the time I I, I got her and, and watched him at 
you know, in 2020, just how much of a, 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 a true pro he is, a veteran pro, a guy that does things the right way, takes care of himself the right way. I think that'll be very important to our young guys to, to learn from his example and his experience. Um, and, and, I, and I tell this a lot of times to guys that, that, that are former players that are coaching, doesn't make you a better coach, just makes your guy with experience and, and that they can relate to. And, you know, that in itself is special. So, you know, I, I think he'll use that and help that that'll help him in terms of, you know, his growth and development as a coach, but also his, um, you know, gaining the, the, the player's respect. Yeah, and something that Ron Rivera already had made clear was how much commander's defensive players respect Ryan Kerrigan, especially edge defenders like Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Ryan, of course, played with both Chase and Montez. In addition to having played with other edge defenders on the Commanders, uh, James Smith-Williams, Casey Tuhill, and of course, in addition to having played with interior defensive linemen Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. So this is a unique situation, right? A coach coaching players with whom the coach recently played. Ron Rivera on Monday morning on how Ryan having played with Chase and Montez can be beneficial to Ryan and to Chase and Montez. Well, I think if you understand, you know, what, what are your, 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 your player's strengths and weaknesses, you know, that'll be a focus. It'll be working on refining those strengths and improving those weaknesses. I think that's a, that's a huge benefit for a coach, especially somebody that, that can be technically sound at that position and really, truly understand it. I mean, you know, like I've said before, the toughest position on this team is linebacker because of the three guys that, that have all played it. You know, we, we, we sit there and you can really help a guy refine what he does and how he does it based on your practical experience, and that's, that's what you're going to see with Ryan. Um, him being able to work with, with, with Montez and, you know, and, and Chase, I, I think that's going to be huge. And then helping Casey and James Smith and F.A., you know, for, for those, those guys, that's going to be great. But the guys that I'm really interested to see how it impacts are going to be the young guys. You know, how does it affect Shaka? How does it affect BK? I mean, those are, those are young guys that could really benefit from, from that, and hopefully they're taking advantage of it. Now, something that I do wonder about is this. Uh, what if Ryan Kerrigan has to get on one of his players, has to chew out one of his players, has to go off on one of his players? Uh, a, Ryan played with a good number of the commander's current defensive linemen. B, uh, Ryan is known for being a very nice, mild-mannered guy. Uh, does Ryan have it in him to go off on a commander's defensive lineman if need be, to whatever extent you as an NFL assistant coach need to go off on your players. Uh, now, Ryan Kerrigan himself did a post-practice press conference on Monday afternoon. Uh, here he was. Here was Coach Ryan on Monday afternoon on potentially having to discipline one of his defensive linemen. I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, they're all hard workers and they all, you know, do what they're, they're, they're asked to do. So I don't anticipate having to do that, but, um, you know, I think you know from from my vantage point, having played with these guys a couple of years ago, and now you know working with them as a coach, I think I mean it's I, I think it's an awesome situation for me personally because it's like I really want these guys to, to succeed. You know, I wanted them to succeed when I played with them as a teammate, and now even more so as a coach. You know, I want them to succeed, and I'm just hope I'm hopeful that I can impact them in a positive way and, and help them uh, find success, and ultimately then our team find success. Yeah, and with Ryan Kerrigan being the commander's assistant defensive line coach as opposed to the defensive line coach, uh, chances are that if a defensive lineman needs a talking to, uh, that that'll be up to Jeff Scanina as opposed to Ryan Kerrigan. Now, with especially Chase Young and Montez Sweat, what about the problem 
of rush discipline. Uh, this was such an issue for Chase and Montez last season. Uh, also has been a problem for others. How are commanders, edge defenders doing in the department of rush discipline? It was Ron Rivera who last season highlighted this issue. Here was Ron Rivera on Monday morning on where we're at with the commanders, edge defender issue of rush discipline. I think I think that group has gotten better, and I think it's been incremental in terms of you know our first year to our second year, uh, now to our third. I, I think you know each year has been a little bit of a process. Each year has been you know learning to break habits, um, learning to understand it. You know what's required of that position more so than you know than anything else, and and hopefully through repetition, you know, when, when things get tough, things get hard, they'll revert to the techniques that we're working on and trying to show as opposed to falling all the way back to what they did a few seasons ago. All right. And here was Ryan Kerrigan on Monday afternoon on this issue of rush discipline. It's, I mean, the mantra of four rushing is one is one we've used for a few years. And I think that's, that's pivotal. I mean, you, you don't want to, you don't want guys to rush cautiously, but you want them to be aware. That's the big thing. You got to have a feel. You got to be aware of where the quarterback is. You got to, you got to have, you, you just got to have that feel. Got to have, got to be, that has to be at the forefront of your mind when you're, when you're rushing because you can't, if you're a defensive end, you can't, you know, turn it at 12 yards and expect the quarterback to just be sitting there he's that's going to create a massive b-gap window so you know that's something uh you know we're definitely going to emphasize and and work on so that we can you know get better pressure on quarterbacks yeah, that rush discipline was such a problem for Washington last season. It really was maddening, right? I mean, there is zero excuse for rush discipline being a problem in the 2022 season. These edge defenders need to have their act together in that regard, especially the two big boys, Chase Young and Montez Sweat, the guys who clearly were viewed as major rush discipline culprits by Ron Rivera last season. Now, obviously, Chase will miss at least the commander's first four regular season games due to being on the reserve physically unable to perform list in his recovery from a torn right ACL. But you get the idea. Uh, Chase and Montez need to have good seasons. With Chase, it's a little more complicated because he's coming off a torn right ACL. I understand that. But what you don't want with either guy is something like this issue of rush discipline, again, being an issue this coming season. Uh, as for the commander's week one opponent, the Jaguars. Uh, well, uh, they have been one of the worst franchises in all of sports for years now. The Jags have had, you ready for this, 10 double-digit loss regular seasons over the last 11 regular seasons. Uh, how about that? 10 double-digit loss regular seasons over the last 11 regular seasons, including going 3-14 and 14 in the 2021 regular season, during which Urban Meyer was a complete disaster as head coach. He ended up not even finishing the season. Uh, the Jags' new head coach is former Philadelphia Eagles head coach Doug Peterson. Uh, Ron Rivera on Monday morning on the Jaguars. Well, first of all, I know they're very well coached. You know, and I, I've had the uh, the uh, opportunity to be around Doug, and I, I know who Doug is. Doug's, Doug's got a tremendous resume as well, not just as a coach, but as a player. Um, and he's had a great deal of success, so they're going to be coached differently. Their, their outlook and their approach will be differently. Um, you know, they'll be they'll be doing like we did a couple of years ago, and that's trying to get away from who they've been. 
And, um, you know, Doug will, Doug will do his best to get those guys headed in the right direction. So, you know, I anticipate that. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll be a little bit of a flair to the way they do things on, on offense, defense, special teams. Uh, for the most part, I'm pretty familiar with, uh, with their defensive coordinator and the special teams coordinators, both guys that have played for me. Um, so I got a little bit of background with who they are. And uh, it'll be interesting to watch. It really will. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about this week just because I, again, as I said, knowing who Doug is, you know, I think this is a, this is going to be a much better team than than people give them credit for. Yeah. So the Jags' defensive coordinator is Mike Caldwell. Uh, he was a linebacker for the Eagles from 1998 through 2001. Uh, Rod Rivera was the Eagles' linebackers coach from 1999 through 2003. The Jags' special teams coordinator is Heath Farwell. Uh, he was the assistant special teams coach for the Carolina Panthers for the 2018 season, during which, of course, Ron was the Panthers head coach. Uh, Doug Peterson was the Eagles head coach from 2016 through 2020. He, for the entirety of that tenure, had, yes, current commander's quarterback Carson Wentz as an Eagles quarterback. Rod Rivera on Monday morning on whether there is intel on Doug Peterson that the commanders can get from Carson Wentz. But oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what, what you're going to get. You know, for us, the insights that Carson can give us or, or has already given us, you know, is, is, is huge. And so, you know, we'll take that to heart, but we'll take it for what it's worth. I mean, it's more about what they've got planned for us than what they've done. Yeah, now keep this in mind, too. The Jags can get commander's intel from Brandon Sheriff. Uh, the Jags in March signed right guard Brandon Sheriff as an unrestricted free agent off him having spent his entire seven-season career with Washington. Brandon Scherf. Brandon Scherf, exactly. Thank you, Commissioner Goodell. Uh, while we're talking guards, the commanders on Monday morning announced that they had signed guard Wes Martin to the practice squad. Uh, the commanders last Tuesday released Martin in the cut down to 53, but he now is back with the team via its practice squad. The commanders on August 24th claimed Martin off waivers from the Jaguars. So maybe there's some Jags intel that the commanders are mining from Wes Martin. Uh, the Redskins took Martin in the fourth round of the 2019 NFL Draft out of Indiana. Uh, Martin, over the 2019 and 2020 regular season, started a total of 10 games for Washington. Uh, also, we on Monday morning got word that the commanders have released center Keith Ismail with an injury settlement, uh, the commanders on August 30th in their cut down to 53 placed Ismail on the reserve injured list. Uh, Washington took Ismail in the seventh round of the 2020 draft out of San Diego State. Uh, Ismail in the 2021 regular season was Washington's fourth string center. But as you likely recall, he ended up starting quite a bit for Washington. He ended up starting five of the team's final six games due to injuries slash absences for Chase Roulier, Tyler Larson, and Wes Schweitzer, as is usually the case with players who are placed on injured reserve and then released via injury settlements, I do think that it's very possible that Ismail will be back with the commanders at some point. Well, something that is coming back is the real estate market. Uh, what's going on in the Washington, D.C. area real estate market right now is that it is a great time to buy. Yes, now. And so that's why you got to get with Kellen Hunt. If you are on the hunt for a home in the Washington, D.C. area, get with Kellen Hunt. Visit closeitwithkell.com. That's closeitwithkell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt 
to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. If you want to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, but are unsure whether now is the time to buy a home, know this, now is the time. Uh, It has been a crazy last few months in real estate, no doubt, but as was detailed in the Washington Post recently, there right now is a real estate market shift taking place, giving the upper hand to buyers. The window for buying a home is opening. Uh, Buyers have faced crazy competition for homes over the last few years, oftentimes losing out on homes. Well, the rising mortgage rates mean that the market now is not as competitive and inventory is starting to rise. Uh, Houses are also sitting longer and we are starting to see price reductions, all good signs for buyers. Uh, Now is the time to capitalize on this. Visit CloseItWithKel.com. That's CloseItWithKel.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt has his finger on the pulse of developments all around the Washington, D.C. area. He is a DMV native. He lives and breathes the culture of the area. He has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to local neighborhoods and economical development and schools and market conditions and all that makes the Washington, D.C. area unique. And Kellen Hunt closes deals. He wins. He is here for you to listen to what you want and then get you what you want, no matter your age, family situation, or financial situation. Kellen Hunt can help you. Kellen Hunt is a real estate agent for real people, and Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Yeah, you the buyer, get a piece of the action. Kellen Hunt knows what buyers like you are facing, and he wants to help. So visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell.com. CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book your call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. Book an introductory call with Kellen Hunt at CloseItWithKell.com. If you are trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kel. Visit CloseItWithKell.com and tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. There are many things that'll determine what kind of a 2022 season that the Commanders ultimately have, but you can make a pretty good case that nothing will determine what kind of a 2022 season that the Commanders ultimately have more than their quarterback play. Uh, Washington has had overall very bad quarterback play in each of the last four seasons, 2018 through 2021. The very bad quarterback play needs to stop. In a time in which quarterback play has never mattered more in the NFL, Washington has been getting very bad quarterback play. That's a problem. Uh, Washington head coach Ron Rivera, of course, went into the 2021 offseason telling anyone who would listen that the team was all in on getting a franchise quarterback. The commanders tried and failed to trade for Russell Wilson, who was dealt from the Seattle Seahawks to the Denver Broncos. It's still not exactly clear how hard Washington went after other specific quarterbacks, but we do know what the commanders ultimately did. They made a trade with the Indianapolis Colts for Carson Wentz, for whom the commanders will be, wait for it, his third team in three seasons. Have you ever heard that before? Yeah, the Commanders are Carson Wentz's third team in three seasons. How many times have you heard that over the last six months? Carson Wentz, the Commanders, third team in three seasons. We get it. Uh, I have spent a lot of time on this podcast over the last six months discussing and dissecting 
Carson Wentz. As I have said, I do now feel better about the trade as compared to how I felt when the trade happened in March. As I have said, the more that I have dug into Carson Wentz, the more that I have liked. The narrative that Carson Wentz is a bad quarterback is lazy and not true. There actually are quite a few things to like about Carson as a quarterback and to like about what Carson has done as a quarterback. But you're being naive if you completely ignore that the commanders are, wait for it, his third team in three seasons. And while Carson Wentz isn't some trash quarterback, he also isn't a great quarterback. And what you want for your NFL team at quarterback, right, is greatness. Uh, That playoff game that we saw this past January between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills is what the NFL now is at quarterback. The Chiefs' 42-36 overtime win over the Bills in the divisional round on Sunday night, January 23rd, 2022, was one of the best quarterback games in NFL history. And the game concluded maybe the single best weekend in NFL postseason history as the divisional round of the NFL playoffs for last season was the first postseason round in NFL history in which four games each featured a game-winning score on the final play. But in that Chiefs-Bills classic, you had Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes going 33 of 44 for 378 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. He was sacked just twice. He had seven carries for 69 yards and a touchdown. Yet Bills quarterback Josh Allen going 27 of 37 for 329 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions. He was sacked just twice. He had 11 carries for 68 yards. The game was the first NFL postseason game ever in which two quarterbacks each threw for at least 300 yards, each had at least three touchdown passes, and each threw no interceptions. The game was the first NFL postseason game ever in which two quarterbacks each had completion percentages of at least 70 on a minimum of 35 pass attempts each. The game was a game in which each team's leading rusher was a quarterback. That game was like a video game. That game was a clinic in passing offense. That game was a battle between two elite quarterbacks. And that game screamed to every one of us as Washington fans, you see this, okay? You see these quarterbacks? Do you see what these quarterbacks are doing? This is what you need. Forget about winning games with final scores along the lines of 17-15, as Washington did twice during its four-game winning streak last season. What Mahomes and Allen did in the divisional round this past January. That's the goal. That's what is possible with passing offense in the NFL in 2022. It was last month, August 10th, to be precise, that Commander's co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder virtually addressed the Maryland State Lottery and Gaming Control Agency. Uh, This in the Commander's Quest for a sportsbook license at FedEx Field. His comments to the agency included the following. Uh, our stadium, we've uh, dramatically upgraded. We, we're encouraging everybody to come to uh, see all the changes we've done uh, to the stadium this year. I think it'll be quite impressive. We're going to have some uh, uh, big-time attendance shortly as uh, our staff, uh, our leadership team, Jason Wright and uh, Trista and the team have, have done an amazing job. So I, I, I uh, 
we're very, very optimistic also on the season. Uh, we we finally uh, have ourselves a quarterback. So, uh, but uh, I wanted to say uh, thanks to everyone. I really, truly appreciate this. All right, so the three things that stood out from what Dan Snyder had to say there. A, Dan said that the team has, quote, dramatically upgraded, end quote, FedEx field. B, Dan said that the team is, quote, going to have some big-time attendance shortly, end quote. C, Dan said, quote, we finally have ourselves a quarterback, end quote. Uh, I could spend like an hour talking about A and B, but we'll leave those items alone for now. But how about item C? Dan Snyder, quote, we finally have ourselves a quarterback, end quote. I mean, I found that pretty funny because if you are any of Washington's recent quarterbacks, how do you feel about the owner of the team saying, quote, we finally have ourselves a quarterback, end quote. Like, how do you think that Taylor Heineke felt about Dan Snyder saying that or Alex Smith felt about Dan Snyder saying that? Probably not great. Anyway, Ron Rivera during his post-practice press conference on Monday morning was asked about those comments from Dan Snyder. Do the commanders in Carson Wentz now have a quarterback? Well, I, I think we have a, a, a quarterback. I do. I, I think we have a guy that can help us. I mean, not to say we didn't have some quality quarterbacks. Uh, again, you know, we, 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 we did some pretty good things with when we had Alex Smith playing for us. You know, I, I thought that was a great job by him. And, and again, I thought last year Taylor did the things that he needed to do to help us. But I, I think we have a guy that we can, we can now, you know, establish and, and rally around and build off of, um, which is what we tried to do in the, in, in the offseason as far as making sure we had a, you know, stout offensive line to protect him and, and then the playmakers. And again, I'll, I'll always refer to that because I, I think that's what you have to do. And now in our circumstances, in our situation, I, I think we have a guy that, you know, we can establish and, and build around. So first of all, good for Ron Rivera for quickly praising Alex Smith and Taylor Heineke. I mean, say what you want about those guys, but they battled hard for Washington. They did some good things for Washington. In Taylor's case, he may still do more good things for Washington. We'll see. What Ron said in that cut, though, quote, I think we have a guy that, you know, we can establish and build around, end quote. Uh, Do the commanders have that in Carson Wentz? Well, maybe. And boy, do I hope so. But there's no way that you can be certain of that. And if you had to bet money on this issue, you would bet on Carson ultimately not being the commander's franchise quarterback for years to come, for a lot of different reasons. But that doesn't mean that Carson as a commander's quarterback can't work out. Personally, my realistic hope for Carson Wentz with the commanders is that he is a solid, if not good, QB1 for however long it takes for the commanders to get someone who's better, okay? Like, to me, that's the right way to be looking at this, that Carson is solid, if not good, and then as soon as you find someone better, you move on to that someone better. And, you know, maybe this means that Carson Wentz is only the commander starting quarterback for one season. Uh, Maybe this means that Carson is the commander starting quarterback for multiple seasons. But let's make this clear. The goal for an NFL team at the starting quarterback position, especially in 2022, should not just be to have someone who is solid or even good. The goal for an NFL team at the starting quarterback position in today's NFL should be to have someone who is great, who is elite. And no doubt, 
Those guys are not easy to find or get. But the goal here is Chiefs Bills from this past January. Like, if you ever find yourself being swayed into thinking that solid or decent or good at quarterback is good enough, just remind yourself of Chiefs Bills this past January. That's the NFL in 2022. That should be the goal for an NFL team at quarterback, and that should be the goal for an NFL team with its passing offense. I want to take you back to last Wednesday afternoon, a joint press conference that was done by Ron Rivera and Commander's General Manager Martin Mayhew. This was Martin on the Commanders in their quest for a franchise quarterback, ultimately trading for Carson Wentz. Well, I can tell you, we, we, we really kind of looked under every, every rock in that situation and evaluated every possibility of a guy who even might move. Uh, so we, you know, we did our due diligence, and Carson was the guy that we had consensus on. We all felt great about him, and we're excited that we have him. Yeah, the commanders may well be excited about Carson Wentz, but the truth is that even the commanders are not totally sure about Carson Wentz. Remember, the commanders acquired Carson with three seasons left on his contract, uh, a four-year, $128 million contract extension that he signed with the Philadelphia Eagles in June 2019, but that did not kick in until the 2021 season. But the contract only has guaranteed money remaining for the 2022 season. So the commanders can part ways with Carson after just one season with zero dead money. What the commanders have with Carson Wentz essentially is a team option for each season after the 2022 season. That's really good for the commanders. But the fact that they did not renegotiate his contract in order to lessen his salary cap number of $28.29 million for the 2022 season says a lot because doing so would have almost certainly meant needing to guarantee him more money. And the commanders pretty clearly did not want to do that. And I don't blame them. You know, let's see how the 2022 season goes and then decide on some things. If Carson Wentz is good for the commanders, and that's a big if, but if he is, they do have him under team control for three seasons at very reasonable salary cap numbers. The commanders acquired Carson Wentz with the following remaining salary cap hits. 2022, $28.29 million. 2023, $26.18 million. 2024, $27.24 million. So note The 2022 season salary cap hit for Carson Wentz is actually the highest of the remaining three salary cap hits in Carson Wentz's contract. And all three of those hits are very manageable salary cap numbers for a, say, top 15-ish NFL quarterback, given how much quarterback money and the salary cap are rising. This was Martin Mayhew last Wednesday afternoon on a way in which he has seen the effect of having Carson Wentz. I think stability. Stability. Look at the last two seasons. I mean, playing eight quarterbacks over two seasons. Uh, he, he, has, he has stabilized that position for us, and uh, we're excited about what he brings to the table uh, in terms of his physical talent and also what he brings to the table as a, as a person, as a leader. Yeah, we shall see if Carson Wentz truly does end up providing stability for the commanders at the quarterback position. Boy, would that be nice. But boy, could that cut from Morton Mayhew prove to not look so good in a few months. Uh, Carson Wentz came to the commanders 
with major questions surrounding him regarding his leadership and coachability in particular. He's since being acquired by the commanders, has said all of the right things in his answers to the many, and I mean many, questions regarding his leadership and coachability and flaws and bad games and, wait for it, the Commanders being his third team in three seasons. Uh, My hope with Carson, and what I do think is quite possible, is that the Commanders are getting an awakened Carson Wentz. A Carson Wentz who realizes that this opportunity with the Commanders may be his last true shot at being an NFL team's true QB1. And so he's all in, and he's focused, and he's motivated, and he's righting whatever wrongs he has been guilty of in the past. Rod Rivera last Wednesday afternoon on whether the maturation of Carson Wentz has an impact on the play of Carson Wentz. I think it does, you know, because when you watch him, the way he's handled the situation and circumstances, I mean, he seems to handle everything with 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 a, 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 a air of, of confidence, but but grace. You know, he, he doesn't he doesn't fight it, he doesn't snap back at it. He just whatever it is, it is. And uh, but he's very confident in his abilities. It's one of the neat things I, I, I've liked watching, in, in especially in practice. I know you guys don't get to see a lot of the stuff we're seeing now, but. You see him do some things. You see him make some throws. You see some of the decisions he makes, and and you only make those if, if you're, in my opinion, if you're confident in what you're doing. And as he continues to progress and, and continues to get comfortable with the, with what we're going to do, you know, the nice thing about what's going to happen too is if we start to focus in on 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 each one of our game plans, now the scope becomes narrowed in, in terms of what we're going to do offensively. And now these will be things that he'll practice repeatedly. Uh, there'll be a lot of repetition. It won't be like all of a sudden we're going to pull a playoff that, that, that you worked on three days ago or four days ago and throw it out and, hey, you go out and do it. This will be stuff that will go through repetition, repetition, and hopefully he'll you know he'll refine it as his teammates will, and, and, and we'll start to see that sharpness start to, start to really come into focus. Yeah, so with that sharpness and with Carson Wentz's overall play, here was Ron Rivera on Monday morning on if there are things other than film that Ron will use to evaluate Carson. Yeah, I mean, you'll you'll use analytics as well. You look at the numbers, you look at that those types of things. Um, you know, you'll have to as you evaluate him, not just on the film, but okay, who's he playing against? Who are we playing against? Um, you know, are we are we giving him an opportunity to succeed. I, that's one thing I always believe in. I always tell it to you guys, you know, before we, you know, we do anything, we got to look and make sure we're putting the players in position to, to succeed. And, and are we using his skill set to, to our advantage? I mean, we know he can throw the ball. He's got a good arm. He throws it deep. He throws the deep outs. He throws the deep crossers very well. You know, so we've got to make sure that every opportunity to give him succeed, we're, we're, we're doing that for him. So you heard Ron mention analytics. You know that we love that on this podcast. Uh, Also mentioned level of opposition. Also mentioned whether the commanders are using Carson Wentz in the best possible way. All of those things matter a lot. Uh, Ron Rivera on Monday morning on the biggest thing that the commander's offense will have to work through early in the 2022 regular season. Well, the biggest thing to have to grow through is, again, you know, you're going to have five playmakers on the field at a time, but there's only one ball. And so it's really going to be out. what is your role? What is your responsibility? You know, um, because what will happen is is, is the, Scott will introduce the offensive game plan. And each guy should know exactly what his role is and how he fits into that game plan. And as you go into the game, now it's about, okay, which matchups are winning? Okay, those are the matchups we got to exploit. 
You know what I'm saying? So that, that first that first drive is going to be real important for us. And hopefully, it, you know, we, we go eight, nine, ten plays in that first drive. So we get a pretty good sense about that. And then based off of that, that's how you'll call your game. Why? Because you'll see, oh, wow, this is a matchup. We're, we're, we're winning. We've got to continue to exploit it. We've got to go at that. Or, you know what, we're, we're struggling over here, but over here, it's pretty, let's, let's go back to this side. So that's what you'll look for that, that, at the beginning of the game. Well, that's kind of what you'll look for as you go through the, the, the first three, four, five games is, okay, who's winning, who's, you know, and, and, and why? Okay, so in the next game, you're going to go, okay, he was, he was winning last time. They may pay a little bit more attention to him. So you go in that first series, so, oh, you know what, they're not doubling him up. We can go ahead and continue over here. Or they're going to double this guy up, and we anticipated it. These will be the calls that we'll use. You know what I'm saying? So, again, as we go through it, you're just trying to find out who's establishing themselves. Um, and then you're going to look for consistency, consistency of play. Um, and then you'll look at situational football. How are we doing in situational football? Are we doing the right things You know, based on, on, on down and distance, based on field position, in the red zone, what's happening, short yardage situations, third down situations. So those first three, four, five games, you will be able to gauge where you are and obviously what you've got to improve on and what you've got to continue to be good at. It is important for the commanders from both a football standpoint and a business standpoint, given the rebrand, to get off to a good start in the 2022 regular season. And it sure would be nice for the commanders to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field in week one. Washington has won a week one game just twice over the last eight seasons. Jay Gruden, as Redskins head coach, went just one and five in week one games. Two of the losses, by the way, were to Carson Wentz and the Eagles, 2017 and 2019. Rod Rivera, as Washington head coach, is one and one in week one games. And that win was over, yes, Carson Wentz and the Eagles. September 13th, 2020, Washington overcame a 17-0 second quarter deficit in a 27-17 win over the Eagles at FedEx Field. Washington against the Carson Wentz quarterback Eagles totaled eight sacks, including two sack strips, 14 quarterback hits, three takeaways, and 10 tackles for loss and held the Eagles to 5-14 on third downs and a mere 265 total net yards of offense. Uh, That game started a nightmare of a 2020 season for Carson Wentz. Uh, By the way, off that last cut that I just played for you, uh, Ron Rivera then got asked a follow-up question, and he quickly raised the notion of running back Brian Robinson Jr. being back for the Commanders perhaps as soon as week five. Uh, Remember, the Commanders this past Thursday placed Robinson on the reserve non-football injury or illness list. Uh, This, of course, of him having been shot multiple times now two Sundays ago, August 28th in Washington, D.C. With Robinson being on that NFI list, uh, he'll miss at least the Commanders' first four regular season games, but he could make his regular season debut for the Commanders as soon as week five. Here was Ron. You know, after the after the 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 the, the four weeks, how is getting Brian back going to impact it if he's ready to go? How are we going to fit him in if he's ready to go? When, when, when you know, how will that affect and, and impact the rest of the offense? So you're always looking at those things, so those little things. The same thing with the defense. You know, how's it impacted? You know, playing this style of defense against that style of offense. Well, if that's not working, then we've obviously got we might want to try and do a little bit of this over here instead. So we will have to gauge a lot of things quickly. Um, this year, I think it's even going to be a little, a little bit more just because of who we have now. 
you know, and, and, and trying to find that right combination of players and play calling. Yeah, my takeaway from that answer is that it is notable and it is encouraging that Ron Rivera made it a point to say that Brian Robinson Jr. could be back as soon as week five. Up next, I'm talking Nationals. Uh, they on Labor Day won again a 6 nothing win at the National League Central leading St. Louis Cardinals. That's now six wins in eight games, including three consecutive wins at division leading teams in the NL. And it's not just what the Nats are doing, it's who is doing what the Nats are doing. I'll explain after this. Well, where would we be without coffee? Uh, it is one of life's great pleasures, isn't it? Uh, I drink coffee, and I'm a big fan of Trade Coffee, which has a terrific offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service unlike anything that you've tried before. That's because Trade Coffee partners with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffee in the country directly to where you live and on your preferred schedule. Uh, Trade Coffee's experts do all of the work. They taste test hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. Uh, The coffee that I get from Trade Coffee is really good, and the Trade Coffee team actually worked with me to create my own custom collection. Trust me, I'm no coffee expert, but thanks to Trade Coffee, I have like a super collection of coffee. I have a dream team of coffee. And one of the best things about Trade Coffee is that it has whatever it is that you want. You can shop Trade Coffee's most popular coffees by roast or flavor profile, or you can do what I did, take the Trade Coffee quiz. Uh, just takes a few minutes, and you get expertly matched with coffees that you'll love. If you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee that you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. So here's what you do. Go to drinktrade.com slash algaldi for $30 off your first order, plus free shipping. Get hooked up with great coffee at a great price, all while supporting small businesses. Visit drinktrade.com slash algaldi for $30 off plus free shipping. That's drinktrade.com slash algaldi. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Well, as you probably know, the Major League Baseball regular season is long. Uh, Each team is supposed to play 162 games. And while some teams certainly are better than other teams, ultimately, there are only 30 Major League teams. So in theory, there is a level of confidence that every Major League team should be at. One of the more troubling things about the 2022 Nationals has been that they so often have been below that level of confidence. Like the team hadn't had any kind of a significant run of success this season until now. The Nats now have won six of their last eight games and each of the last three wins has come on the road against a division leading team in the National League. Uh, The Nats Friday through Sunday won two or three games at the National League East leading New York Mets. And the Nats on Monday won at the National League Central leading St. Louis Cardinals 6-0 in game one of a four-game series. How was your Labor Day weekend? Because the Nats on their Labor Day weekend won three of four games at two division leading teams in the National League. I'm proud of the boys. Yes, thank you, Davey Martinez, the manager, the skipper. Uh, He should be proud of the boys these days. Uh, The Nats, for the 2022 regular season, do still have the worst record in the majors. 48 and 87 is the mark, but the Nats no longer have the worst run differential in the majors. Uh, The Nats' run differential now is at minus 200. Uh, That is the second worst run differential in the majors. The Pittsburgh Pirates have a run differential of minus 209. What makes what the Nats are doing right now particularly encouraging encouraging is who exactly is leading the way of the improved play. The Nats are getting some very meaningful contributions from young players, i.e. potential building blocks. And Monday's 6-0 win at the Cardinals was a good example of this. Uh, C.J. Abrams, is he now starting to come around as a batter? Uh, The Nats acquired Abrams via trade with the San Diego Padres as part of the six-player package for right fielder Juan Soto and first baseman Josh Bell on August 2nd. The Nats on August 15th recalled Abrams from AAA Rochester. He has been impressive defensively as the Nats' number one shortstop, but he has struggled offensively. But we have been seeing signs of him coming around 
And he on Monday had a terrific game. Abrams as an at starting shortstop and number nine batter, four for five with a triple and three singles. Uh, Abrams in an at's one run third had a leadoff triple to center field past a diving Tyler O'Neill. Abrams in an at's four run sixth had a one out infield single on a tapper toward third base. Abrams in the top of the seventh had a two out single on a one two pitch. Abrams in the top of the ninth had a one out opposite field single to left field. And also with Abrams, we have this in the top of the fourth, he lined out sharply to Cardinals right fielder Lars Nootbaar for the third out, but the ball had an exit velocity of 107 miles per hour. That was a very well-struck ball that just ended up going to a Cardinals player. Uh, The Padres took Abrams with the number six pick in the 2019 MLB draft out of a high school in Georgia. This is a very well-regarded guy. Baseball America on August 8th ranked Abrams as the number 11 prospect in baseball. Baseball America entering the 2022 season cited Abrams as being the best hitter in all of minor league baseball and having the best speed in all of minor league baseball. This guy could be a franchise shortstop for the Nats, and we are perhaps beginning to see the hitting come around. Davey Martinez during his postgame session with reporters on Monday night on C.J. Abrams, and you'll hear multiple follow-up exchanges. We've talked a lot about him staying behind the baseball and really not trying to do too much. And, uh, and uh, you know, I talked to him about just hitting hard ground balls. And um, he's he's done well. He's staying on top of the baseball a lot better. I mean, he sees the ball well. Um, he doesn't necessarily chase when he gets back on time. And uh, and he's doing really well with that right now. He hasn't, had a, he hasn't struck out in the last three games. Have you noticed anything noticeable in that three-game stretch from him? Yeah, he's letting the ball get deeper because he's, he's allowing himself to get on top of the baseball. Um, so he can wait a little little longer so it's been uh like i said he's he's he 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 loves the fact that we're trying to teach him the right way and he, he embraces it and uh and I, like i said i love talking to him i love you know having him around he's um, he's up very upbeat as you see our, our, our you know those guys on the field between him um you know, Louie and, and Vargas, those guys have a lot of fun out there. Does that come with just reps up here, trusting your hands, like knowing you can do it? Is that kind of what allows a guy to let the ball travel a bit more? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's getting a chance to play every day. We talked to him. I said, I don't, you know, for me, I don't care what you do. You're going to play every day until I feel like you need a day off. And, um, and so we're going to work on some different things with you, you know, offensively, de- defensively, uh, base running. He's very in tune to, to what to do on the bases. Um, but, you know, like I said, uh, you know, it's every day, you know, it's teaching morning every day with him and it's been, been awesome. Yes, it has been. You know, this Nats infield now with C.J. Abrams at shortstop and Luis Garcia at second base and Ildemar Vargas at third base, so much better than what we had been seeing with uh, various other configurations of the Nats infield this season. Uh, K-Bear Ruiz, he on Monday had a second consecutive big game. Ruiz was an Nats starting catcher, a number five batter. He went two for three with a solo homer, a single, and two walks. Ruiz in the top of the second drew a leadoff four-pitch walk. Ruiz in the top of the fourth had a leadoff single to center field. Ruiz in the top of the sixth drew a two-out six-pitch walk. And Ruiz in the Nats one-run eighth smashed a two-out solo homer to right field for a 6-0 Nats lead. Uh, this was off what Ruiz did on Sunday afternoon, the 7-1 win at the Mets. He in that game as an at starting catcher and number five batter went three for five with a two-run single and two other singles. And he did this off having talked his way into the lineup as Davey Martinez had been planning on giving Ruiz 
the day off. Uh, Lane Thomas, boy, is he locked in right now. The Lane train is rolling. Uh, he on Monday as an at starting center fielder and number one batter, one for three with an RBI double, a bases loaded walk, another walk, and a hit by pitch. Uh, Thomas in an at's one run third and opposite field, RBI ground rule double to right field on an 0-2 pitch for a one nothing Nats lead. Uh, Thomas in the top of the fifth drew a leadoff hit by pitch. Thomas in the Nats Four runs, sixth, a one-out, bases-loaded, 10-pitch walk for a 2-0 Nats lead, despite having been down to the count at 1.12. That was a great piece of hitting, really a great example of plate discipline by Lane Thomas to go from down 1-2 to working a 10-pitch RBI walk. Uh, Thomas, in the top of the seventh, drew a two-out, four-pitch walk. Uh, Davey Martinez during his post-game session with reporters on Lane Thomas. No, I mean, he's, like I said, you know, we talked earlier today about, you know, just him uh, him just making things happen early. Uh, he works some really good at bats. He worked the bases load of walk, but um, he's swinging the bat well. Man, he's seeing, he's seeing the ball well. He's swinging the bat well. Um, but, you know, when he can do that, he gets us going, and, uh, and then the, 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 he feeds our offense. Yeah, Lane Thomas was huge over the final two games at the Mets. The Nats two wins in that series. He in the 7-1 win on Saturday night as the Nats starting center fielder and number one batter went three for four with a solo homer, an RBI single, another single, and a walk. And then Thomas in the 7-1 win on Sunday afternoon as the Nats starting right fielder and number one batter, two for four with a double, a single, and a walk. Uh, Lane Thomas over six games in September, seven for 20 with a home run, three doubles, three singles, and six walks. The guy has been tremendous. Uh, Joey Manessis continues to be tremendous for the Nats. Uh, He had a good game on Monday. Now, Manessis isn't really a young player. This is his age 30 season, but this also is his rookie season of this having been his 10th minor league season. Uh, Manessis on Monday as an at starting first baseman and number three batter, three for five with an RBI single and two other singles. And each hit came with Manessis down in the count. Uh, Manessis in the top of the first had a two out opposite field single to right field on an 0-2 pitch. Manessis in the top of the fifth had a one out single to left field on a 1-2 pitch. Manessis in the Nats Four runs, six, had a one-out bases-loaded RBI single to left center field on a 1-2 pitch for a 4-0 Nats lead. Boy, can this guy hit. And he's not just some one-trick home run hitting pony. Like, the guy is legitimately a good hitter. We're seeing that. He can go the opposite way. He can produce even when down in account. Like, there are a lot of things to like about Joey Manessis, the batter. The Nats on August 2nd selected the contract of Manessis from AAA Rochester. He since then has an OPS of 939. The Nats offense has come alive. Uh, The Nats now have totaled 41 runs over the team's last seven games. The Nats in this 6-0 win at the Cardinals on Monday had six runs, 14 hits, and five walks when 4-14 with runners in scoring position. Uh, Also for the Nats on Monday was a fourth consecutive good start for Anibal Sanchez. Uh, Now, no potential building block is Anibal. Uh, This is his age 38 season, but he has been a lot better lately. Uh, Anibal on Monday tossed five scoreless innings. He gave up just two hits, both of which were singles. He issued two walks. He recorded three strikeouts. He threw 81 pitches, 52 strikes, versus 29 balls. He retired 14 of the final 15 batters he faced. Now, uh, Anibal got off to a bit of a shaky start. He tossed a scoreless spot of the first, yes, but he did that despite giving up a one-out single and then issuing back-to-back 
went out walks, but then he essentially cruised for the rest of his outing. The Nats this past March signed Anibal Sanchez to a minor league contract. He made the Nats regular season opening rotation, but he then got hurt. The Nats on April 10th placed Anibal on the 10-day injured list with a cervical neck impingement. The Nats on May 3rd transferred him to the 60-day IL. It wasn't until July 14th that the Nats reinstated Anibal Sanchez from the 60-day IL. He now in the 2022 regular season has made 10 major league starts. He over the first six starts had an ERA of 720, but he over these last four starts has been so much better. Uh, This started with a 3-1 win at the San Diego Padres on August 18th. Anibal Sanchez in that game, one run in five innings. Uh, Then we had a 3-1 win at the Seattle Mariners on August 24th. Anibal in that game, four into third scoreless innings. Then we had a 5-1 win over the American League worst Oakland A's at Nationals Park last Wednesday night. Anibal in that game, one run in seven innings. And now we have what he did on Monday in this 6-0 win at the Cardinals, five shutout innings. And you think about that, Anibal Sanchez at the Cardinals, pitching well, not the first time that we've had that, right? Shades of 2019 and LCS Game 1, right? Anibal Sanchez in the Nats, a 2 nothing win at the Cardinals in NLCS Game 1 on October 11th, 2019, flirted with a no-hitter, ultimately tossed seven and two-thirds scoreless innings in that oh-so-wonderful October that gave us the Nats winning the World Series. Uh, also for the Nats on Monday, good stuff from the bullpen. Hunter Harvey, a perfect bottom of the sixth. And Mason Thompson, three scoreless innings for the save. This was surprising that Mason Thompson was allowed to stay in the game for this long, but he did a really nice job. He tossed a perfect bottom of the seventh, tossed a scoreless bottom of the eighth, and tossed a perfect bottom of the ninth. Game two at the Cardinals Tuesday night at 745. Paolo Espino will be the Nats starting pitcher. So the Nationals had a very good Labor Day 2022. The Orioles' Labor Day 2022 ended up being a big flop. Uh, The Orioles' big doubleheader against the Toronto Blue Jays on Monday to kick off a big four-game series ended up being a disaster for the O's. Uh, Game one, a 7-3 loss. Game two, an 8-4 loss as, uh, yeah, the O's got swept in the doubleheader, got outscored over the two games 15-7, uh, the O's in the 2022 regular season now are 71 and 64. And just like that, now are four and a half games behind the Blue Jays for the American League's third wildcard spot. Uh, not a good Labor Day for the O's, but there was a lot that went into what happened on Monday. So Jordan Lyles was supposed to be the Orioles starting pitcher for game one of the doubleheader, but he woke up feeling ill. His start got pushed back to game two of the doubleheader, but he still wasn't well enough to pitch, and so he ended up not pitching at all. And the O's ended up allowing 15 runs in a doubleheader sweep. Uh, Mike Bauman was the Orioles' starting pitcher in game one. The O's on Monday added Bauman as their 29th man for the doubleheader. Uh, Bauman in the 7-3 loss in game one of the doubleheader. Three runs in five innings. He was okay. Uh, He gave up eight hits, a double, and seven singles. He only had two strikeouts. He did, though, issue no walks, and he did throw a lot of strikes as he over 78 pitches threw 54 strikes 
versus 24 balls. And then the O's found out that Jordan Lyles could not start game two. And so reliever and former starter Keegan Aiken started game two. He was charged with two runs in two into third innings, but the two runs charged to Aiken came on a two-out three-run homer by Bo Bichette off reliever Nick Vespi in a three-run Blue Jays third. And then we had the return of Bruce Zimmerman to the majors. Uh, the O's on Monday afternoon between games one and two of the doubleheader recalled pitcher Bruce Zimmerman from AAA Norfolk, and he in that 8-4 loss in game two pitched in relief, and uh, he got shelled. Uh, he allowed five runs in six innings. He gave up three home runs. Two of them were by Bo Bichette, who hit three home runs in the game. Bo Bichette owned the O's in game two of the doubleheader. So Bruce Zimmerman, uh, the O's on June 16th optioned Zimmerman to AAA Norfolk off him in a 7-6-10 inning loss at, yes, the Blue Jays on June 15th, having allowed six runs in four and two-thirds innings. As you may recall, Bruce Zimmerman actually got off to a good start to the 2022 regular season. He actually, for a period of time, was arguably the Orioles' best pitcher this season. But his season then unraveled, and Zimmerman ultimately allowed 33 earned runs in 30 and a third innings over a six-star stretch, uh, during which he also gave up 52 hits. He got optioned to AAA Norfolk on June 16th. Uh, the O's on July 9th did recall Zimmerman from Norfolk. He had a one nothing win over the Los Angeles Angels at Oriole Park at Camden Yards on July 9th, tossed a scoreless top of the sixth despite giving up two singles, but the O's then after the game optioned him back to Norfolk. And uh, off what we saw on Monday, uh, Bruce Zimmerman uh, still not ready for prime time. But listen to how much of a mess the Orioles pitching situation ended up being on Monday. This was manager Brandon Hyde during his postgame press conference on Monday night on what happened with Jordan Lyles. They have flu-like symptoms, so um, at a late, late change. A- Aiken uh, volunteered and you know, knew we were, knowing we were going to be short. Didn't know I didn't have enough time to get Zimmerman ready. It was probably right before the uh, the uh, lineup exchange. So uh, on my way, walk up there, I had Aiken sprint down and get ready as fast as possible. How about that? I mean, what a mess. Uh, also, there was what happened with D.L. Hall in Game 1 of the doubleheader. So the O's last Thursday recalled Hall from AAA Norfolk. He is the number 91 prospect in baseball for MLB Pipeline. He is a starting pitcher, but because of his workload limit, he's being utilized as a reliever at the Major League level right now. And D.L. Hall had a rough outing in Game 1 of the doubleheader. He allowed three runs and recorded just one out. Uh, He got the final out in the top of the eighth, but he then failed to get an out in what ended up being a three-run ninth for the Blue Jays as he gave up four singles and a walk. Uh, The bright spots for the O's on Monday, well, Atlee Rutschman was one, a Rutschman in game one as the Orioles starting catcher had number two batter, two for four with two singles. Rutschman in game two as the Orioles starting DH had number two batter, three for five with a solo homer, a double, a single, and an RBI force out. Uh, Anthony Santander in game one as the Orioles starting right fielder and number three batter, two for four with two solo homers. Uh, He homered from each side of the plate, 
Second time in the 2022 regular season that he did that, he became the first Orioles player with multiple games in which he homered from both sides of the plate in a regular season since second baseman Roberto Alomar in 1996. Anthony Santander for the 2022 regular season is number one on the O's with 27 home runs. But yeah, Monday, not a good day for the O's. Two more games to go in this big four-game series with the Blue Jays. Game three against the Jays, Tuesday night at 7.05. Kyle Bradish will be the Orioles' starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 394. We'll have a lot on the commanders, perhaps a special guest, depending on what news that we have on Tuesday. Also on Wednesday show, we'll talk Nationals and Orioles, and that's on Tuesday night at 7.45. We'll begin Game two of a four-game series at the National League Central leading St. Louis Cardinals. The O's on Tuesday night at 7.05 will begin game three of a four-game series against the Toronto Blue Jays at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. Uh, our stadium, we've uh, dramatically upgraded. We, we're encouraging everybody to come to uh, see all the changes we've done uh, to the stadium this year. I think it'll be quite impressive. We're going to have some uh, uh, big-time attendance shortly as uh, our staff, uh, our leadership team, Jason Wright and uh, Trista and the team have, have done an amazing job. So I, 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 uh, we're very, very optimistic also on the season. Uh, we we finally uh, have ourselves a quarterback. So, uh, But uh, I wanted to say uh, thanks to everyone. I really, truly appreciate this. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.